0: wicca paganism shamanism what do these ideas mean to you did you know that a lot of controversial views on these topics are based upon misconceptions welcome to spiritually speaking ancient wisdom for modern needs with lady redhawk aka susie peltier we will explain these practices in-depth and provide new opportunities and perspectives to change your life now here is lady redhawk
1: Hey and welcome everyone. I'm Red Redhawk and you're listening to Spiritually Speaking, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Needs. Today's show is Shamanism 101. It's an exploration of the cosmology of the shaman and its relationship to Wicca. This is the first show of three dedicated to the exploration of shamanism, sorcery and witchcraft, with my special guest, shaman John Carasella. Uh, remember, you can call in with your questions, one eight six six four seven two five seven nine five, or email your questions to info at suzypeltier.com. That's S-U-Z-Y-P-E-L-T-I-E-R.com. I've chosen to devote three shows to shamanism because the shaman witch doctor or witch uh, is the foundation to modern Wicca. They gave us the healing arts, herbology, psychic guidance, spiritual support, and ritual. They are the healers and the clergy of their time. But before we meet John and talk a, uh, about this great legacy, I'd like to clear up a popular misconception. And while there are many traditions in Wicca, like many denominations in Christianity, these traditions vary widely in their perspectives and practices. But we all agree on, one, on two basic points. One, Wicca is a nature worship that has nothing to do with the devil. And two, the devil does not exist in Wicca. Um, we also... Because the traditions vary so widely, I don't pretend to speak for all witches. What I am pre- presenting is a perspective and tradition I developed over 20 years ago uh, called Taoist Wicca. Taoist Wicca is a spiritual coaching system as well as a spiritual practice. Uh, that said, I'd like to introduce uh, John Carousella. John is the co-founder of Firefly Willows Healing Center and is the shaman in residence there he has an engineering background and um and is a practicing shaman um, john you want to tell us a little bit more about your
2: background
3: Oh, uh, sure uh th- first of all thanks Suzy, for having me on your show um, oh you're welcome it's uh i'm delighted to be here and i'm looking forward to uh, sharing with you and, and with your audience um my background, as you said, is uh, I'm an engineer by training and I've spent uh, quite a bit of time, 25 years, doing the high-tech thing, which really is an exercise in the, the analytical mind and the, um, the impressing of one's will onto the world. Okay? I mean, what we do in high-tech is we create things that we think people will want to use. Mm-hmm. Um, the spiritual path, as I'm as I'm discovering, um, really stems from the other side, which is how can you be a gift to the world with your gifts and talents and and the the blessings that you bring into the world. And it's way more relaxed on this side. <laughs> <laughs> so when I left high tech in 2010, um, my family and I were trying to figure out what to do, and so we decided um, that it would be fun to be more of service to our community, and so we decided uh, through a, a variety of interesting events to, to create a healing arts center. And that healing arts center is Firefly Willows, and that's where we're devoting our time and energy.
1: It's a beautiful, uh, beautiful idea. And um, I've been privileged to receive uh, a couple of sessions with John, and he's, uh, he's terrific. Uh-huh. You've also um, developed a seminar series exploring reality and healing perspectives based on your travels. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
3: Well, so one of the things that I am and, and will be for the rest of my life is, uh, an, is an engineer. Uh, and In fact, more specifically, a physicist. Oh. Um, I love to plumb the depths of the, the fabric of reality. It really means a lot to me Understand the nuts and bolts of the the stuff we're we're working with, the stuff we're living in, and the stuff that makes us us. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, like one of the things that I say in my my law of attraction, the 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 first uh, the first seminar in the series exploring reality is love and the law of attraction, a metaphysical Mm -hmm. perspective. And the reason the reason I this is not like other law of attraction seminars that you might have attended because I'm less interested in how you order, you know, how you place your order with the waiter <laughs> and what the food tastes like and way more interested in what goes on in the kitchen. Uh huh. So it's really about how does this law of attraction thing actually work? How do you actually manage and, and engage the fabric of reality and, and why does it work that way?
2: Mm-hmm. So when I
3: do my Exploring Reality series, it really is about that kind of thing. It's what's the layer behind the layer we're typically looking at or seeking to draw something from.
2: Mm-hmm. And the
3: same thing is true with the Healing Perspective Series. It's, it ultimately comes down to most of the things that we, that we face that are ailments are actually symptoms. Mm-hmm. They're symptoms of something deeper. And when I, and the healing perspective thing, what I, the the teachings I get from spirit when I'm doing my shamanic work regarding healing is always about seeing how the condition is a symptom of something else. Mm -hmm. And how does that something else actually manifest the symptoms in the client? Because Mm -hmm. if you understand that, then you can actually see the connection between the two and then you have a better shot at actually helping the client heal themselves. Right. Because where you know, then they're working on the right thing.
1: This is where spirit, the, the whole, um, this is where traditional allopathy breaks down because it, um, it doesn't acknowledge um, disharmonies in the spirit that ultimately can cause physical
3: disharmonies. Yes, in effect, the most, the purest and most efficacious allopathic paths to, to, uh, to medical work, to, I would say to healing, but I, I, it's kind of an awkward thing to say, um, is from the outside in,
2: mm-hmm.
3: right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's look, at the, look at what immediately presents itself and, and deal with that. And if that doesn't work, look deeper. And if that doesn't work, look deeper. And if that doesn't work, look deeper. But you're always thinking, mm-hmm. even as you look deeper, you're looking at the surface level of what's, still, of what's underneath. So, right. Even as you go down a layer, you're still looking at the surface of that layer. Mm-hmm. Holistic medicine actually goes, you know, in its purest sense, goes the other way. It says, what is the state of the perfect being? Mm-hmm. How, did we, how did this being get off track from being that perfect being? Right. And if you can't, you, if, you know, if, if the direction is too subtle to be adjusted at that level, go up a level. Mm-hmm. and then go up another level, and go up another level, and go up another level, until you get to the point where you actually have leverage over the dysfunction. And you can steer mm-hmm. the spirit back into alignment so the dysfunction disappears. Right. Right. And those, right. Are, very, those are very different antipodal uh, opposing views of how to do healing, which makes them ultimately... Perfectly complementary. If if right, I was going to say
1: that's control. exactly where we're beginning to move um, into integrated medicine is uh, to begin to see the complementary uh, duality of those two approaches, that they don't have to be an either-or proposition.
3: No, nope, they
1: don't. Well, thank you for coming. I'm so happy to have you here. Um, one more thing. There's going to be a big pagan conference held in San Jose over the weekend of February 17th through the 20th. And um, I've spoken there a number of times on Dallas Wicca. And uh, this year, John will be presenting a couple of workshops. Um, do you want to tell us the dates and when you're...
3: Sure. Um, Friday the 17th is, mm-hmm. uh, the, is the opening day at Pantheon. Uh, and I will be leading um, a ceremony called Calling in the Spirits at 11 p.m. on Friday night. It should be a great party. It's uh, it's a great way to kick off Panthecon by welcoming the spirits in for fun and productive work. So we'll be doing that at 11 o'clock on Friday night. I'll and be then... there.
1: You can meet me. Come introduce yourself to me. I'll be among the the audience.
3: Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I invite everybody who's coming to PantheaCon to come for, for, you know, for Friday evening because that's the big, you know, it's opening ceremony so it'll be a lot of fun. Um, and then on Monday morning, uh, the, the 17th, 18th to the 20th, at 11, I'll be leading a, a short course in animal medicine and I, I hope maybe we'll talk a little bit about, uh, about this in the show today, Susie. Um, this, the, what I'm leading is, is called Starting Small, um, Shapeshifting, it's, a course, in shape-shifting uh, to understand very simple forms of animal medicine. So, we're, you know, mm-hmm. most of us think, like to think about animal totems as, you know, eagle and butterfly and deer and, you know, very complex, sophisticated things that have lots of personality. Um, but there's all, a tremendous amount to be gained from the very simple beings they mm-hmm. also have medicine. So, for example, mosquito medicine. What is mosquito mm-hmm. medicine? What is water strider medicine? What is salamander medicine? They have unique and relatively simple traits that can be understood, and the, and the power in them can be harnessed if we're willing to look that way. So that's mm-hmm. what, and it, and it's easier to start there because there's less less complexity. Great,
1: great. I'm looking forward to those. Um, so you can. Uh... Uh, reach uh, John through f- uh, www.fireflywillows.com he has a blog so that's fireflywillows.blogspot.com and the swallowtailproject.blogspot.com the swallowtailproject.blogspot.com blogspot.com so my first question is could you Kindly make a distinction between what's the difference between a shaman, a pagan, and a witch.
3: Well, you know, as you well know, Susie, these labels are very tricky things um, because this is not, none of those are hierarchical, um, central, centrally defined ways of being in the world. So there really is no concrete or orthodox definition of these things. Mm But from, from, as I walk this path, uh, I, I, I do contemplate these things, and it seems that that a pagan is someone who sees deities and forces at work that are intelligent and that have sentience in many different aspects of the world. So, mm-hmm. lots of deities, lots of gods. That's fundamentally, uh, paganism has come to mean that. But, the, the root word, uh, you know, the root of the word paganism is actually pagano, which is someone who lives in the country. Mm-hmm. So we have uh, the root of paganism is actually the spiritual behavior and attitudes of, the, of people who live close to nature.
1: Right. And then the Church decided that, that they would use it in a condescending manner, so pagan eventually came to mean those who refused to convert.
3: Well, of course, there's lots of ways that um, you know, coercion uh, and disdain creep into uh, the history that we're, that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and typically it, it comes as tribal structures are subsumed by and replaced by civic structures that, are, that attempt to be larger and more organized and that attempt to project power over a larger geographical area. Mm-hmm. And some of this has to do with agriculture, but uh, a lot of it has to do with urbanization, frankly. Right. right? As right. you begin to get central control. So so a pagan is a guy from the country who lives in the country and appreciates the spirituality that, that naturally evolves from the country.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, a, a Wiccan or a witch is someone who has, in some sense, codified that set of beliefs and structures into rituals and ceremonies that are predictable and reliable in their results.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: That's one of the reasons why you lead a circle, because mm-hmm. you have ritual, right? And, mm-hmm. and those rituals yeah. have power, and you learn to harness that power. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, okay, so that leaves shaman. Um, well, sh- shaman is the word that derives from the Siberian uh, and it means, in that context, in that, that native culture, it means seer. Hmm.
2: Someone who sees.
3: Mm-hmm. So if it's difficult to say, to distinguish a pagan and a Wiccan from a shaman in the sense of the structure of their worldview. Because in large measure, a shaman's worldview is a function of the culture in which he or she lives. So a shaman's worldview can be lots of things. But what's, I guess the distinction is that the shaman is the tool in the community that mm-hmm. is dedicated to the service of seeing and bringing back information from sources of power that are on the other side of the veil and bringing, bringing that, that power, that vision, and those teachings into the community so that they can affect, uh, essentially, the alleviation of suffering. Great.
1: Great. Well, let, let me have you hold the next thought. Um, we're going to take a break, and we will be right back. Your online community for positive change.
3: Seventh Wave Network.
0: Susie Peltier, Lady Redhawk, offers private sessions of massage therapy, hypnotherapy, spiritual consultations. Reiki sessions and trainings in San Francisco, California. She is available for in person lectures as well as webcasts on a variety of topics such as stress management, holism, motivational speaking, and developing personal spirituality. Susie can also personalize a healing session or a spiritual consultation for you through Skype or by phone using hypnotherapy and distance sessions of Reiki. Susie is a reverend with the Universal Life Church and a third degree Wiccan priestess performing interfaith pastoral duties such as hospice and family counseling, in addition to a variety of personalized rites such as weddings, house clearings, and memorials. Susie is currently taking applications for students in Wicca and offers circle trainings as well as priest and priestess initiation study programs. To find out more about Susie as a healer, teacher, and priestess, visit her website, www.susiepeltier.com. Email her at infosusiepeltier.com at or visit the Facebook page to find out more about Taoist Wicca.
1: Awakened Media for a Transforming World. 7th Wave Network.
0: You are listening to Spiritually Speaking, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Needs with Lady Redhawk. We would love to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about this week's program, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at Now, back to Spiritually Speaking.
1: Hi, this is Lady Redhawk, and I'm visiting here with my special guest, uh, shaman and healer John Caracella from Firefly Willows Healing Center. And uh, we were talking a little bit about the um, shaman as a seer and one who functions as an intermediary uh, to the community. So, um, before we leave that, uh, John, where did where did that come from?
3: Oh well, hmm. <laughs> um,
1: it's 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 goes back to our caveman
3: roots, right? Our
1: Paleolithic.
3: Well, times. yeah, I mean, one can one can anthropologically speaking. Shamanism is the oldest spiritual practice that we know about. It's recorded on... Shamanic practices and shamanic experiences are recorded on, in Paleolithic cave paintings. The oldest continuous culture that we know of, which would be the Australian undisturbed traditional mm-hmm. tribal culture that we know of is the, the aboriginals in Australia. And, mm-hmm. the, you know, undisturbed for 50,000 years or so, um, that is a shamanic culture... Uh, so, the evidence suggests that shamanism is really, really old, and I think what that speaks to is that what shamans do, which is to pierce the veil and engage with and create relationships with spiritual entities that exist with or without us that they 're real they exist in an alternative reality um, the ability to do that is part of our human birthright. It's not mm-hmm. special, in as much as it's part of our it's part of how we're built. It's part of the way it works on this planet. So, so
2: pagans
1: and Wiccans may do that as well, using whatever practices they use.
3: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. In fact, mm-hmm. transcendent experience with spirit is possible in every religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it is the thing that most religions try to you know. They try to catch that wave upon the sand. They try to catch that moonbeam and write it down. And so it becomes basically the great spiritual traditions, the the great religions of the world, are often really the codification of someone else's spontaneous shamanic experience with spirit. Mm -hmm. The only problem with that is that it's deemed to be, oh, this is the way you access spirit. When in fact, that's the way that person accesses spirit, but the way someone else might access spirit might be a different way entirely.
1: Right. Joseph Campbell said that the shamans had the original experiences, and when the priests um, uh, came along, the more, the more codified and um, the more organized the religions became, the more they attempted to recreate for the masses those um, ecstatic one-on-one experiences. And that's how the practices kind of grew out of uh, that. That's why you find incense in church, you might say.
3: <laughs> right? That's right. That's right. And, Same, and that's why we practice, thing. that's why we have ritual, frankly. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. even as the, you know, a shamanic, a shamanic session um, for the shaman, you know, he or she goes and communicates with his tutelary spirits, you know, asks them for advice on how to solve a problem, and Mm -hmm. brings back something. That something might be uh, a song or a dance or an exercise that the the client needs to do. Mm -hmm. Well, to the extent that 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 exercise is something that the community needs to do, for example, to to find food, uh, ensure a good hunt, um, you know, what have you, um, it can, it, it's a ceremony for the community. To the extent mm-hmm. that, that that same kind of advice and guidance comes again and again from spirit, that ceremony can become ritual.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: To the extent that that ritual is invigorated by spiritual participation and spiritual um, energy on the part of the community, it's a very living Dynamic ritual. If it becomes just an exercise in doing what it says to do in the book,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: then it becomes
3: becomes an empty ritual.
1: Well, then it's a routine. Yeah, and then loses not a ritual. It loses
3: most of its power at that point.
1: Yeah, yeah, and also the two rituals. um, In addition to the things that we put um, on our altar, they become like little batteries. They hold the energy that we place in them, to be drawn upon later. So yes. each so, time it, you, you... I would
3: say, Susie, I would say that in, it, I think of them less as batteries mm-hmm. and more like tuning forks or resonators. Ah! because uh-huh. Because the object itself doesn't necessarily contain the power.
2: Mm-hmm. The
3: object is conditioned by the power... Mm-hmm. to be a good vehicle for the transmission of the power.
1: Right. That, that makes very good sense. Yes, I would agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Okay, um, so moving right along, um, what is the cosmology of a shaman? Go, oh, um, good heavens.
3: <laughs> <laughs> indeed, <laughs> good heavens! Indeed, he says. <laughs>
2: well,
1: exactly. we're getting to tools, So we'll get to the tools after we kind of understand the the broader, the broader picture
3: of it. Right, right. So the cosmology of shamanism, again, um, a little bit difficult to to say categorically. But mm-hmm. you know, Michael Harner and Mircea Eliade did a bunch of work on trying to understand this grand tapestry because you know shamanism. Is has existed around the world and across time, so you can imagine there's a big palette to choose from, to you know, in terms of figuring out what data you pay attention to. But Harner right. found that,
1: and Michael um, Harner will um, will preface this by saying he's kind of uh, the father of shamanism insofar as getting it into Western uh, study.
3: Yes, he's uh, the father of, of the Western revival in shamanism. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we, uh, Michael Harner found that. Um, 90%, he he collected what he calls, co, you know, core shamanic principles, sh- mm-hmm. shamanic practices, 90% of the tools that were common among 90% of the cultures that he could study. Mm-hmm. And in that, the cosmology that he discovered was that there's a, an ordinary reality and a non-ordinary reality. Now, those mm-hmm. terms, ordinary and non-ordinary reality, are actually terms coined by Carlos Castaneda. Mm-hmm. So there's ordinary reality, which is what, what you know, we can say is consensual, consensual reality. is the reality we all think that we share. And mm-hmm. there's non-ordinary reality, which is essentially beyond the veil. It's, it's mm-hmm. the land of spirit. And again, it's real. It's just not objective in the same sense. So we go over there. There are things over there. We discover them and often discover them singly and separately. Uh, but there's a map kind of of what goes on over there that's generally speaking can be understood. Mm -hmm. And once you're over there, there are there are grossly speaking three domains. There's the middle world, Mm
2: -hmm. which
3: is the land of spirits that uh, are kind of like spirits over here. They're they're not particularly they're not they they have issues. (laughs) Let's put it that (laughs) way. They have (laughs) issues just like you and I have issues. Um, they're still struggling within so without um, (laughs) <laughs> you know they they do what they are they they do their best but they're not enlightened you know they're not they haven't ascended
2: mm-hmm. and then
3: there are two other domains there's the upper world and the lower world and these two worlds as far as has been determined so so far are inhabited by compassionate beings only compassionate spirits so the, this is where the spirits that have ascended to the next level of understanding go and hang out when they want to relax mm-hmm so they and they can do their work you know they do their work and they live in the upper world and in the lower world and those two worlds are different um in uh texture and flavor but in terms of the beings the attitudes of the beings that live there uh they are, they're populated by compassionate spirits so when you go there you can trust those guys mhm okay uh and and really the that's that's essentially the cosmology is there's two realities and in the non-ordinary reality, there are three domains,
1: mm-hmm.
3: three worlds. Mm-hmm.
1: So you have to kind of like address an envelope.
3: <laughs> well, okay. So so this is actually this this is where you get um, the basic rules of shamanism uh-huh. are. You, you, shamanism is is a collection of techniques. It's not really a belief system. It's a collection of techniques because you actually the the goal is to to execute on the techniques, and then experience what you experience. Mm -hmm. So the goal is you, there's only two things that you need to know about shamanism to begin. First is that spirits are real. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Okay, If you don't accept that axiom, you you can't be a shaman. (laughs) Sorry. Mm -hmm. You have to actually accept that spirits are as real as you and I are. They have their Mm -hmm. own independent identity and existence. The second is that you can learn to, create, to communicate with them
2: mm-hmm. and,
3: and that, that, that communication is, is reliable, right? Once you, mm-hmm. once you accept those two things, the g- whole goal is to go meet spirits and establish relationships with them and mm-hmm. ideally find t- spirits that can teach you how to do stuff,
2: mm-hmm.
3: right? So how do you go, typically how do you go find something? Well, in this reality, you go looking, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, in shamanism, that's what you do. You go looking. You go on a journey to meet your spiritual teachers.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And that is that is essentially... I mean, that's why shamanism really is very simple. Uh, it doesn't require a whole lot, because it was within the capacity of Paleolithic man to do it, right? Mm-hmm. So... How do you do it? Well, you go on a journey. You get into you Now, the key, of course, is to find that state of consciousness
2: Mm -hmm.
3: where you can pierce the veil and go hang out with the spirits in the spirit world. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: But but the process of piercing the veil and going over there is called the shamanic journey. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: And the shamanic journey is um, accomplished by, you know, through a lot of different ways, um, but most commonly, it's accomplished by using the drum mm-hmm. or the rattle. Now, the Australian Aboriginals used the didgeridoo. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, shamans in the Amazon used ayahuasca.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Shamans in the American Southwest used peyote. Mm-hmm. The Celts would use drums, but they would also use mushrooms.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, and mushrooms. Mushrooms are, you know, they mushrooms are kind of available in lots of different climates, um,
0: mm-hmm. but
3: but they're not universally available. So you don't have to use a plant medicine, because you know, for example, there's Eskimo shamans, you know, Siberian shamans. They don't. They got nothing up there. They got they have <laughs> no plant medicines up there. So um, they use the drum, right? Because that's what works. So, right. uh, but the goal is to get you get the the shaman into the state of consciousness that allows them to go travel Mm -hmm. to do the journey
1: and if they're doing plant medicine they're imbibing the spirit of the plant
3: well that's the other thing right is um everything has a spirit the the mongolian shamans called the drum their spirit horse and Mm -hmm. if you recall um the, the actual domestication of the horse as an animal to ride
2: mm-hmm. occurred in Mongolia. Right.
3: That's where the wild horses were. Uh, so they naturally took the what, the what they achieved with the drum, they understood it to be a journey, and they had the perfect ordinary reality uh, analogy or metaphor, <laughs> which was the horse. Mm-hmm. So the drum has kind of a spirit, uh, and it's the, kind of like the spirit of a horse, but a little different because it doesn't have the same rhythm as a horse, but it does have the same, you know, plodding sound as the horse.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, now, so you, you, can, you can imagine then what is the spirit of the rattle like? What is the spirit of the didgeridoo like? The spirit of the didgeridoo is kind of like the droning of insects. You imagine mm-hmm. cicadas buzzing. Mm-hmm. Ooh, right? right. So that's, that's, the didgeridoo medicine is like that. Right. Plants it have also have invokes a right? very, very use,
1: powerful... Excuse you're me, Johnny. Are you going to use
3: mushrooms are you going to use cannabis or are you going to use ayahuasca or are you going to use peyote? Um, the, the plants themselves have their own character, and they are companions on your journey.
1: Right. They're guys. What's
3: so important is there, there is no uh, path into... If you're going to use help to get into that state of consciousness, you have a traveling companion, and that traveling companion has personality.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So, you know, they're going to be what they are.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Once a, and it, modern science is also beginning to understand that um, uh, the didgeridoo, for example, is a very powerful breathing technique that will induce trance. So in and of itself, the instrument induces something physiological because of the way you have to breathe in order to get the sound out of that long log. The, um, the other thing that they've noticed is uh, they've done some scientific uh, tests at Stonehenge with uh, different drums. And the number, uh, is it megahertz or something like that? The, the way per they, we
3: could say cycles per second.
1: Cycles per second. And um, they found certain certain rhythms, certain cycles per second within a certain yeah, okay. range.
3: Sorry, frequencies is the word you're looking for. I think.
1: Freque- thank you. Frequencies will induce a change in brainwave. Well, so we're beginning okay. to see some really interesting um, validation for these yes. techniques.
3: Yes. And, and in fact, and um, there there is a this, the the science of the, they've discu- the, the, the the science of and the discovery of brainwave entrainment, Mm -hmm. which uh, is being developed in all kinds of different ways now, but fundamentally, if you hear the same sound over and over again at the same frequency, so if you're beating the drum at 3 to 4 to 5 beats per second, your brain is going to establish a brainwave cycle of 3 to 4 to 5 cycles per second. And Mm -hmm. it turns out that 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 range is actually the theta state
2: mm-hmm.
3: and the theta state is similar to the the dream state and the state you are when you're in um dynamic hypnosis mm-hmm. so we so you know what what we've understood in, intuitively and practically for fifty thousand, seventy thousand years, <laughs> we now can conveniently convince ourselves that it works because we have uh, electroencephalographs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's simply another language to use. Yes, that that, that helps language. us do that. Great. Now here's Thank the you. trick,
3: though. Right, mm-hmm. lest we be silly about this. What we can read on the on the electroencephalograph is this brainwave. Cycle that is you know three three to five cycles per second. That isn't. That's just a symptom of this Mm -hmm. state. Mm
2: -hmm. It is
3: not the state, and this Mm -hmm. is really important because science tends to take what it can measure and declare that to be the thing that's important. Uh huh. But that's almost always wrong, and that's that's (laughs) the problem with allopathic medicine: is it takes what it can measure and says, "Oh, this seems to be." Different than the other guy, and this guy is sick. So I must, if I change this thing, then I'll make him better. Right. The problem is that's just an artifact or a symptom of what's really going on, and so manipulating it, it doesn't always work.
1: Right. Right. Wow, fascinating stuff. Well, we're gonna take a break, and we will be right back. If you want to call us, the number is one eight six six. Four seven two five seven nine five or email me at info dot at com. So hang on. We'll be right back. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network
0: susie peltier lady redhawk offers private sessions of massage therapy hypnotherapy spiritual consultations Reiki sessions and trainings in San Francisco, California. She is available for in-person lectures as well as webcasts on a variety of topics such as stress management, holism, motivational speaking, and developing personal spirituality. Susie can also personalize a healing session or a spiritual consultation for you through Skype or by phone using hypnotherapy and distance sessions of Reiki. Susie is a reverend with the Universal Life Church and a third-degree Wiccan priestess performing interfaith pastoral duties such as hospice and family counseling, in addition to a variety of personalized rites such as weddings, house clearings, and memorials. Susie is currently taking applications for students in Wicca and offers circle trainings as well as priest and priestess initiation study programs. To find out more about Susie as a healer, teacher, and priestess, visit her website www.susiepeltier.com. Email her at at infosusiepeltier.com or visit the Facebook page to find out more about Taoist Wicca.
1: taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network.
0: You are listening to Spiritually Speaking, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Needs with Lady Red Hawk. We would love to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about this week's program, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email to info at susiepeltier.com. Now, back to spiritually speaking.
1: Hi, welcome back. I'm here with John Carasella, shaman in residence with uh, Firefly Willows Healing Center. And um, we're talking about shamanism and the difference between shamanism, sorcery, and witchcraft um so uh John do you want to kind of tell us a little bit compare and contrast these terms for us
3: yeah sure um you know it's very interesting uh this is something that I've been personally exploring in some depth over the last probably three years um and and that is the difference between sorcery and shamanism and, mm-hmm. you know when I as I when I was trained, um, there were some very specific rules about what you engage and how you engage them uh, in order to draw power, right? Mm-hmm. So, for example, when we talked about the cosmology, we talked about the lower, middle, and upper worlds. I was taught that it, it's best to get your tutelary spirits from the lower and upper worlds because you know they're compassionate spirits. Engaging and using power from spirits in the middle world is a dicey proposition. And why is that? Well, because the compassionate spirits will not arm you with power that you can use to hurt yourself or others. Uh-huh. So they basically, stand, if you use them properly, they stand as a filter between you and shooting yourself in the foot. Mm-hmm. Right? Whereas the middle world spirits... And and as I was taught, the elementals, they're, they're you know the, the middle world spirits may actually have an agenda of their own,
2: mm-hmm. right? Because
3: they have issues just like you and I have issues,
2: as you mm-hmm. talked about. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and the elementals are amoral. They're like, well, you know, I'm here to be used. Um, if you want to use me, this is here I am, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Now, um, so so why is that a problem? The problem is that as a human. We have a limited perspective, so when we actually try to go out and, and take action in the world, we're operating from a perspective that is limited.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, if you, if you are practicing shamanism in the way that I've understood it, you are never harnessing or applying power from, spiritual power from the other world, from non-ordinary reality, that is beyond your capacity to direct properly, nor uh, can it be misapplied.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: If, you're doing, if you're working with elementals and you're working with spirits from the middle world, you are, in effect, using your own agency and the agency of the spirit, that, you know, if you're using a, a middle world spirit, to do what you want to do. Oh, I to, see. You know, mm-hmm. to apply, and, and you may well have the most compassionate intention... But you're not God. You're not in life. Mm-hmm. So the, the problem is that you can trip because you just don't have the right perspective. So in a nutshell, that's the difference between shamanism and sorcery. Sorcery is g- gather what, what power you need to accomplish the mis- mission you seek. Shamanism is go ask for the mission from compassionate spirits mm-hmm. and Invite them to give you their power to accomplish that mission through you mhm right and so the it's a subtle difference, but it actually is as you and the reason that, the reason it matters is because as you get to levels where you're actually capable of handling a lot of power, it's way better to be a shaman than a sorcerer
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah um. So the- it strikes me that it's a little bit similar to when we do a banishing in preparation to cast a circle, that we do it from a place of a knowledge of our own divinity, and that it's the divinity within us that's doing the banishing, uh, not our own meager selves telling these um, energies to leave the space.
3: Yes. Okay. So that's so that's really good, right? Because that, that's, a, that's a, I'm glad you brought that up that that's a uh, a fundamental um presumption of limited understanding.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Right. Our mm-hmm. conscious minds and our egos are not do not are not efficient enough and not clean enough to always know what the right thing to do is even when we think we do know. Right.
2: And yeah, so the it's more we come to selection. relax
3: into compassionate support that knows better in order for us to accomplish the goal. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Now, I want to say something a little bit more about sorcery, because if you look at the world we live in, and in particular Western technological culture, it's all sorcery. Mm -hmm. When you take sand and turn it into an iPhone, Mm -hmm. That's sorcery, Mm -hmm. right? We have created from the elementals an amazing and complex and extraordinarily powerful set of tools to impress our will into the fabric of reality. Mm -hmm. How wise have we been?
2: Right, right.
3: It's cool. It's really cool to have an iPhone. Sure. It's cool to be able to Skype with you. It's cool to be able to have a radio show. But it's sorcery, not shamanism. Right. <laughs> right, right. Very good point. So the goal then would be, if, now all these tools are lying around, how do you use them in a way that is in, you know, in alignment with the highest good? Well, the shaman would say, go establish a relationship with a compassionate spirit teacher mm-hmm. and ask them because mm-hmm. they'll tell you. They'll say, okay, well, why don't you do uh, a seminar on blah, 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 or why don't you uh, create an application for the iPhone that does blah, blah, blah.
2: Because mm-hmm.
3: the tool is there. Now, I mean, sometimes they don't actually understand the technology as well as they mm-hmm. you might like because they they're not used to using it. Right. But it's all, you know, it's archetypally speaking, uh, they can give you guidance. And mm-hmm. it's very cool.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's the reason it's um suitable for modern needs yeah. is the, the there are problem-solving applications to the tools the shaman uses um to uh gain allies in these um ether realms that will support and guide you and um and also give you a richer experience of life yeah, yes, you know absolutely. it's a much more uh rich uh chocolate truffle when you when you add in uh, the spirit guides and power animals and and the ways in which changing your own, learning to change your own consciousness can change your Daily view and perspective, and therefore impact your experience of what of your life.
3: Yes, absolutely. Very... I, I would not be anywhere close to as healthy as I am today, physically and mentally, if I had not gone down this path.
1: Right, right. Well, besides that, we're so much more fun.
3: Yeah, uh, well, that too. Yeah, <laughs> and I actually I think my wife would agree with you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> well thank you for coming John I really really appreciate it you're going to we're looking forward to um, our second um, conversation with you next week um, when we discuss um, uh, the relationship with witchcraft a little bit more uh, thoroughly and um, also when we explore power animals spirit guides and omens no, uh, John's gonna bring to his sacred drum that's um, on the 13th of February, next Monday at 2 o'clock. And um, he's going to bring a sacred drum and demonstrate the beast used to induce a trance journey, which is the signature tool of the shaman. And um, once again, John, how do people reach you?
3: Well, you can reach us. You can head over to FireflyWillows.com and uh, see us there. Uh, or you can send an email to me directly at Carosella at fireflywillows.com. Those are the best ways to get to me. You can also find me on uh, Facebook. Uh, we have a Firefly Willows a Facebook page, and you can get to me through there. Uh, and um, oh, and my blogs, of course, uh, FireflyWillows.Blogspot.com and the Swallowtailproject.blogspot.com.
1: Great. Thank you. I want to take a a moment to wish everyone out there Happy Imbolc. Um, That's a Wiccan holiday that happened uh, just a few days ago on February 2nd. However, each uh, Sabbath is a tide of seasonal energy, so there's still time to set your commitments for the year. This holiday generally honors Brigid, the Celtic goddess of the sun, the hearth, and the forge. She's the mistress of healing, smithcraft, and poetry. So if you'd like to hear more about bulk, you can go to the bulk video on wwwfacebook slash Taoist Wicca. And after you've liked me there, Key and Spiritual Seekers Radio on Facebook. And you can like the, like the show there and support it by checking out an online store. We have some cool things you can order, like... Uh, the clock with the, uh, the graphic that I, uh, used when I discussed, uh, Taoist Wicca a couple of uh, shows ago and, um, some assortment of tees and hoodies that have, uh, the cool saying, I survived Samhain. And if you've ever <laughs> had experienced a Samhain, which is the witch's version of Halloween, you'll, uh, be able to appreciate the joke in that. You can also tweet me at, uh, Spirit Seekers, excuse me, Spirit Seek Radio. And um, I thank you all so very, very much. Um, what would you say, John? Is the the witchcraft piece in this? I would say that witchcraft has incorporated many of these tools, and we we use them. Not all shamans are witches, and not all witches are shamans, but. You know, it's
3: a good question, Susie, and, and mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you that when you're on my radio show, because you know, work up way better than I do.
1: <laughs> and I know it takes more than a few minutes to answer, but um, uh, be thinking about that for me for next time. That would be terrific. And I'd love to hear your thoughts out there, so please email me, um, info at susiepeltier.com. Um, and uh, let me know your thoughts on today's show or uh, your thoughts on shamanism Wicca and um, and even uh, today's sorcery that would be an interesting conversation to continue thank you everyone so much uh, for coming remember the magic is in you blessed be merry meet, merry part and merry meet again
3: merry meet again
0: Thank you so much for tuning in this week to Spiritually Speaking, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Needs. Please join Susie Peltier again next Monday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America's 7th Wave Channel. Have a wonderful week.